Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It is hard to believe that we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011. So many great movies, so many great conversations. But it's a lot of work. Producing this show week after week does require a lot behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. We had some great films in Season 8 that started their lives as books or plays, and you can find all of them on our Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals. That's the site where listeners can find links to purchase all the source material behind the adapted films we covered from season one up through our current season. For part of season eight, we had a series celebrating the 50th anniversary of films from 1968. We talked about 2001 and 2010 for our Odyssey series, both adapted from Arthur C. Clarke's novels. Man, the second one was so much better than the first, right? Don't you even get me started. <sighs> Need I bring up Under the Cherry Moon again? Yes, also so much better. <laughs> wait, wait, no, that's not what I... <sighs> Planet of the Apes kicked off its series based on the novel by Pierre Boulet. We covered Danger Diabolic and The Detective, adapted from novels for our 1968 crime films. Wait, wasn't that The Detective the prequel to Die Hard? They were both written by Roderick Thorpe, and yes, it's the same character in the books. I can't believe they even asked Sinatra if he'd be in Die Hard. That would have been yeah. weird. <laughs> Uh, Once Upon a Time in America was part of our Leone Once Upon a Time trilogy, adapted from Harry Gray's novel. And we looked at 1968 Best Picture nominees The Lion in Winter, Rachel Rachel, Romeo and Juliet, and Oliver! We also had an Ingrid Bergman series with adaptations like Spellbound, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Murder on the Orient Express, and Gaslight. We haven't talked about Gaslight. Stop gaslighting me! <laughs> Dive deeper into these books and more adapted films at thenextreel.com slash originals. Every purchase supports the podcast. Get the full list of adaptations that we've covered on all the Next Real family of podcasts and start your next read today at thenextreel.com slash originals.
This is The Next Reel, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and that there is Andy Nelson. Hey, hey, hey. And we spoil movies. Tonight on the show, we're heading back to Moscow, everybody. Drago's throwing a party in Creed 2. In the ring, you got rules. Outside, we got nothing. Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me. We live in the past. You got people that need you now. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. But you don't think I could beat him? All right, Andy. uh, Creed 2, the most recent in the series. The last of our series uh, of the Rocky films, uh, Creed 2. What did you uh, what did you think about this one? I uh I really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to dance around a little bit, yeah, but no, I was you like, couldn't. Eh. yeah. No. I really liked it. I was um cuz Rocky 4, I I mean I enjoyed it had its issues mm-hmm. um and uh but it still was full on entertainment and I thought they did a great job of bringing stuff back from Rocky four. They even patterned some of the stuff here after Rocky four, which I loved, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but it was, uh, they added stuff to it that actually made it uh, a really strong film for me. I had a wonderful time with this one and I am sure they're planning on continuing the Rocky franchise. Why wouldn't they? But at this point, uh, you know, I, I feel like they've, they've, had some strong uh, films in recent years to kind of to end it on. So, I mean, if it if it ended here, I feel like they're ending on a high note. I think so, too. I would be OK if they ended here. Um, I, I I liked it as well. I, I quite enjoyed it. And as you know, I was not as much of a fan of Rocky Four uh, as certainly as you were. Um, and this this time around, I, I found it a not as enjoyable of an experience. And I think this movie sort of revisits a lot of what was, you know, presumably fun in my memory of Rocky Four, and actually enlivens it and makes it, um, it it makes it um, uh, exciting again, and and so I really enjoyed it. I I I feel like I'm holding this movie a little bit at arm's length, and I I don't I don't quite know why yet. Part of it, I think, comes from the fact that so much of this movie feels like it's in a microwave. The pacing individually, scene to scene feels pretty good but when i look at the movie as a whole it it feels like there are two movies jammed in here right one is the the build toward the middle build right (laughs) which is the first loss and uh, to uh drago and then we build up again to the to the final rematch which which is you know rocky one and two um so i i finished watching the movie again and i'm left thinking like wondering is is this the movie that they really needed to make like this movie is so heavily fan service in in many ways right they're using straight up narrative elements from so many of the movies that have come before it and i you know if if you get past the fact that that's happening if that if you don't find that distasteful i think this is a really fun experience if you find that at all distasteful and unoriginal then yeah i mean this movie i think could get old pretty quickly it sounds like you obviously had a good time with it, and I think I did too. But I just don't want that to go unsaid. That 
that this movie feels like a heavy duty retread in in some areas that I think I, I would have loved to have seen Creed go off into a new story. I I can see your point, but I think it's uh, it's it's and, and it makes sense. But at the same time, this is a, a I don't know for me it's a foundational element of who Donnie is. The fact that his father is Apollo Creed, he is very much in his father's shadow, and this whole idea of fathers and sons and this story that was really kind of about coming to terms with who his father was and by facing essentially the the uh the essence of the person who killed his father in the ring mm-hmm. i thought was a fantastic next step i really think that they made a for me a, a great choice in in moving in this direction and i was very happy with the way that it played out because of that and i think that the father and son elements with uh, with Donnie and Apollo with Donnie and Rocky with Ivan and Victor all of that really cemented this film as uh, in a place that gave it so much strength that I really wasn't expecting. So for me, I think this was a huge win all the way around. Yeah. And in some respects, I, I mean, I agree with you on on all those points. And it actually I'm relieved to hear you say all that. That actually gives me a um, it, it, it gives me a, a little bit of freedom to be more enthusiastic about it because I think I'm enthusiastic. But then I think, wait. Really, uh, you know, to hear Dolph Lundgren talk about it, you know, he's he talks about as getting a, a text uh, from a set of texts from Sylvester Stallone saying, hey, we've got this idea. Would you ever be interested in playing Ivan again? Uh, and then the next line is just sins of our fathers. And and that sort of started the whole thing. Now, if you go in a new direction, <laughs> you don't really have the opportunity to lean heavily onto the father son stuff. Uh, and and that's really what this movie is is about, right? It's it, it it's about coming to terms with, um, you know, with the with our patrons. And I, I do like that. I really do. I I I think it's great. And I forgive so much of the retread stuff because this movie does that better than the last movie did, right? Than the last movie that attempted to to talk about this stuff. I think this movie is an improvement in so many ways um, in in those areas. So, okay, okay, I'm sold. It's, uh, I, and it's funny because, I mean, I was looking at reviews and kind of what, what people thought about this movie after I watched it. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of people going, oh, it's just a retread of, of past stories and, and so much of it is is uh, just rehashing and did you know it didn't necessarily need to go this route and i don't know for me i found this uh is really strong so i i i i feel like should i should i not love this movie as much as i do but i do <laughs> i don't mean to give you a complex i really don't that is not my intention we have to help each other andy we have to That's help right. each other <laughs> I I love I mean, I love so many things that they do in this movie around father and son. And it's not just the, you know, the the actual narrative points, but there are some really cool visual tricks that they do, you know, and and especially when around Drago, there's one cut in particular, the medicine ball cut that just blows me away. I had to to rewind it. It just happened so fast and it's on a surface so simple. He's throwing the medicine ball. I I'm I'm gathering it's in a mirror and they just reverse it and so it looks like the shots going from sort of right to left through a wall and he throws a medicine ball at himself um 
But yeah, I with found the mirror there. Yeah, great. with the mirror right there. Such a simple cut, but it, it speaks to me. It speaks volumes about who you know about watching Victor's progression. Victor, who says very little, a man of few words uh, in this movie. He has some really strong scenes, that, and mostly he just looks mean. Um, and and you know to watch him train and actually feel like he's transforming as a result of his relationship you know w through his dad with his dad by his dad i um and you know to rediscover who who he is as a fighter um i thought that was one of the most interesting angles and in fact all the the russian stuff i thought was was an improvement over the superficial sort of cold war russian stuff um of rocky 4 that stuff made sense for its time yes. because of the cold war because it was right in the middle of it but now it feels pretty dated um um except for those fantastic haircuts Whew, yeah man right, right. But, they did it right but <laughs> boy did they <laughs> but uh, yeah i i i don't know i i just really loved the the strength that uh the script had with these relationships and sure some of these turns might come across as pretty quick but man i don't know watching watching ivan uh, you know, it's just all the wheels turning in his head after mm -hmm. his ex-wife walks out of the back boxing ring at the end there mm -hmm. and just watching him really kind of evaluating what's important and everything. And I, I mean, I was in tears when he threw in the towel. It was, I, I just thought like, oh. I never, I didn't see that coming. It was a really powerful moment and it spoke to me as a father. It spoke to me as uh, as somebody who who you know is realizing things and and learning about himself and and finally has that moment where it's like I I need to protect my son I need to be there this is, there are more important things it was beautiful uh, I, if it's not so now beautiful. and then when right if right. not me who yeah yeah so it it worked on so many levels for me and just the father son stuff that we had at the end with with Donnie at his father's uh tombstone or his his grave just everything it was it was so nice just the moments that he had uh with Rocky when he has his big breakup with Rocky I guess you could say and when he's uh after the after the first match with with Victor and he's just a mess in the hospital bed and uh, even going into the uh, just kind of the repairing of that relationship as as Marianne brings Rocky back into their lives and and just seeing them kind of uh, find their place to heal. It just this was so strong. I was so impressed with with the script. And, you know, I, I was really happily surprised to see that that Stallone was back as one of the writers on it. And that I, along with Jewel Taylor, and I guess that to me said, this is what I was saying about some of those other films. If Stallone, who I think has such a great sense of these characters, brings another writer on, and uh, granted the story was also uh, different people came on to do the story, Sasha Penn and Chio Hodari Coker, um, but with those other voices helping craft the script, I think that is what Stallone needed in some of those past films like Rocky Five had good stuff in it but it, it was a mess because i just don't think that he had a sense of the story here he had other minds that helped craft a story that made for a really strong tale about these people yeah i agree um you know i think we've 
you know, the, these other voices give us, I, I think, have brought to us a m much more of a sort of human sense of relationships and um, all of the relationships. And I mean, even the relationships uh, around the boxing and the business. I found uh, uh, Russell Hornsby's uh, Buddy Marcel um, a dramatically more compelling uh, promoter. Uh, and a much more human promoter than any of the promoters that we've seen prior. Um, it, you know, it was, it, and and maybe it's just a, a cultural change. You know, maybe it's just a, a mark of where we are um, in you know the two thousand teens uh, that that his character has changed. But I, I found it much more grounded and relatable, and that made. The whole boxing part, the whole boxing business mechanic, uh, relatable too. Uh, what about the relationships between uh, the relationship between Adonis and Bianca? Uh, did you find Bianca as compelling a character in this film as you did in the first Creed? Another thing that they did right is deliver their uh, female characters so they weren't just these side characters that that fit in um, just enough to kind of make things happen and then just become basically get sidelined these characters uh, both of them actually i thought i thought that um, uh, felicia rashad and tessa thompson both had a nice presence of place throughout the script and it actually worked with the relationships it worked with um, developing these characters and yes it largely is father-son stories but i think very much so it's family stories and getting a real sense of the relationship growing between donnie and bianca um, the the fear of a baby that might uh, be uh, have hearing problems which it does and and seeing how that resolves the relationship with marianne and how how that kind of uh, uh, grows as a uh, you know the family dynamic with Donnie, Bianca, and her, but also, um, you know, with Donnie and Marianne in relation to Apollo and the memories of Apollo, and also Marianne and Rocky, and how that kind of helps bring uh, Donnie back. I, it, all of it worked. I, th I think that those two women are, they're just, they're so strongly written, and they, they give some great moments throughout the script that actually really helps now i don't know if it passes the uh whatever that test is <laughs> the bechdel but, test uh, the bechdel test but uh, but it's okay i think because for me they were really strong characters that i felt compelled by the entire time and i never felt like they just got sidelined because this story is about donnie yeah again i feel i, I feel like it was great to watch uh bianca's character continue to develop it, you know the the hearing loss becomes an issue with the mother and child uh it's still an issue with her she's adjusting to hearing aids and using the hearing aids interestingly like she's constantly turning them on and off um depending on where she is putting them in taking them out i thought that was great i love the proposal as it relates to her and her hearing loss right that she doesn't have the hearing aids in as he's proposing i thought that was it, it in one uh, on one hand it's kind of a you know, a cheeky meat cute sort of a, a, an element. But uh, on the other, it was it, it they really made it pay off. Right. Um, yeah. You know what? What'd you miss? Well, nothing you don't know already. Uh, I thought that was just a delightful exchange. And well, um, and, and it also gave us a sen a, an opportunity to to recreate a, a one of the my favorite moments from the first Creed when 
they're having that conversation with each of them on opposite sides of the door. Yes. And we get that again with that proposal when she sees what he's doing and slams the door. And then they have a conversation on both sides before she opens the door again. It was That's nice. Right. It, it, I liked that it provided an opportunity to bring that back. Absolutely. Yeah. She was delightful. I, I back to something you said, you know, this is just a, as much a movie about family. Yeah. I, I really agree with that. And I think that's the, that's sort of the secondary uh, sort of level of this film insofar as it exists to, to explore these father son relationships. Felicia Rashad is such a strong maternal figure uh, that we, we certainly can't ignore like her relationship with Adonis uh, as a, a defining relationship in the film that propels his actions, uh, you know, as well, like him seeking her approval and her her faith. And that last exchange that we get at the end of the the final bout uh, when she is just standing so stoic and mouths those words of like love to him. Um, that's just crushingly powerful mother son stuff. Yeah. It was it was beautifully done. I thought Stephen Capel Jr., who directed it, just had a good handle on those little moments, those small details that pop up that I feel like they're they're in the previous films, um, but they they just feel a little different. And, and just the way that Capel handled them here, I thought was just smooth and and allowed for the honesty, but it didn't slow down the pace. I just I really appreciated the way that it unfolded. When Bianca takes the big sip of wine and spits it back in to the glass, <laughs> it is so adorable. Oh my god, so funny! Great. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. good. It's my very favorite. Something uh, else that I yeah. thought was actually interesting—not uh, not necessarily about characters, but just story structure—I thought it was really interesting that this film essentially kind of starts with the big fight that very well could have been. To your point earlier about doing a different story, kind of taking us in a different direction, it could have been the big fight at the end of a different a version different of movie, the second right. film, <laughs> right? We start with with him fighting Stuntman uh, to become the world champ, and Stuntman was who he fought in the first Creed film and lost to, uh, just kind of you know when he was angry and 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 just trying to make a point and wanted uh, he wanted to get Little Duke to train him. And he loses his his car and and basically it's back on the line. But that's how the film starts. And and knowing where Rocky two went, I was like, it would have made almost more sense for Creed two to follow if it really was kind of following that same path to have him battling stuntman. Yeah. And to have that kind of be the end of the second film. But uh, but it it wasn't. And I thought it was actually really interesting that we kind of that kind of kicks us off in this one. And such a great character bit, too, when at the end of that fight, when uh, Adonis wins, that he's screaming, give me my keys, give me back my keys <laughs> as Bianca is telling him, do you know what you just did? Do you know yeah, what you yeah. just did? You are now the world cha heavyweight champ. And he all he wants is his Mustang back. Uh, I, thought, I thought that was just perfect way to to reintroduce us to this character of Creed. That was good. Uh, how do you feel about the montages? It's not as egregious as Rocky Four, so the, I, but I do like that they give us at least two nice training montages yeah. before each of the bouts. 
which I, I thought worked in context of doing some retreads from Rocky Four. We've got training montages. We've got the beard. He does training out in the boonies, this time the desert. Um, obviously, there's kind of the 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 uh, loss that a character has to Drago before the win. And then, of course, we get the big stagey entrance to that first battle, all right. of which are kind of nice retreads that we get that that worked in context of the of this film and the way that it was being told. I thought the training montages were nice. And actually, when we have that final training montage out in the desert and the music's pumping and and get a fly now kind of starts kicking in and we just see donnie he gets up off the ground and and he's just pushing and pushing I, it was very inspiring i totally ate it up <laughs> <laughs> i uh, me too i i was into it i the only thing that i thought was a little uh, this is so uh, maybe it's a weird thing I'm, uh, on me that I am taken out of the movie when Rocky's in the car driving and Adonis is running through the desert behind him and passes out. And Rocky just turns around and says, get up, kid. Get up, kid. Like Adonis is dehydrated and passed out in the <laughs> desert. And then he gets up. I found that that was the least believable thing in the movie for me. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a little much, but... <laughs> <laughs> that was he was probably the most danger at, of any point in the movie there as what, he's passed what, out what's the worse that or rocky helping a guy whose horse and carriage are stuck in a snow <laughs> <laughs> we i already took that movie off the table andy that was ludicrous uh so anyhow i i thought that was a that was amusing um they do we, you talk about stagey entrances um you're right the stagey entrance the first time around is is you know it's stagey it's world champ stagey the stagey entrance on the the final bout is beautiful and also very stagey it actually starts with bianca singing live which right. i thought was an incredibly nice touch for from the perspective of theatrics uh i don't know how I mean, I know it shows how sort of what a dominating performer she is, that she's able to silence that arena uh, as she performs under those laser lights. I thought that was just gorgeous. Uh, I I wasn't sure it sold the modesty factor that I I thought he might have been going for in this in this final bout. Yeah, he hadn't really learned any uh, lesson on that front. No, no, he's learned <laughs> nothing. Certainly, certainly <laughs> true. Um, but what I did like about that and I guess this is why I end up forgiving it is because it it ties him to his wife. It, it allows for a very direct connection with a spouse to be a part of the boxing uh, match that you don't normally get. Yeah. And so to that end, I was like, that was actually really nice touch. And yes, I liked beautiful. that she kind of came in to to kind of perform for her husband. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Or I guess. I I guess not quite husband. Well, I don't know. We we never really know if they've gotten married at any point. We we know times passed, and we know they've had a baby over the course of the movie, and, and a lot of proposed. time has passed because he he goes yeah. through his whole depression. Yeah, right. A lot of time has passed. Yeah. I'm assuming that at some point they got married, and we just never saw it. And yeah. I I forgot to ever look on their fingers for rings. Scrubbing right now, and I I don't. I'm not seeing it. And yep, she has a ring on her finger. Okay, confirmed. Confirmed, Andy. She's married. So at least by the very end of the film, they're married. Yep. One person we haven't really talked about 
much at this point yet is Stallone. And I, I mean, he had, definitely, I would say, hands down, the performance he delivers in the first Creed film is the stronger performance between the two. It was just an amazing performance that he delivered in that film. It, it required more of him, I think. Well, it did. It did. This one, though, I, I still feel he gives. And that's something that I've grown to really appreciate with Sylvester Stallone that I didn't really know was there is how much heart this guy has and what he does with his with these characters that he's grown with and loved for decades now. And every time he's having conversations that are, are very kind of uh, close to the heart, it I just I find it so uh, strong and and uh, touching and i just really feel connected to him and I, it's just i i'm really uh, i i think if anything that i've taken away from watching all these rocky films that's it is just how strong he is as an actor who can really deliver on that heart front that i i wasn't expecting i feel a lot of that here and it it really became that much more powerful in a moment like where um, when Donnie's in the hospital and he he gets mad at Rocky for not having been there and now he's coming back and all this sort of stuff and and watching kind of the pain there and and that in that relationship on both sides it was it was really touching and I think all of this built really nicely to an incredibly powerful end when he goes and reconnects with his son and I loved that that uh, Milo returns uh, Ventimiglia, Ventimiglia as as his son i mean just what a powerful way to kind of end that that thread in this story did you like was there anticipation for you when he knocked on that door like in what sense because well, I, I mean for me it was please please get milo please get milo please get milo like, oh i don't know I, why I, but I, had... I for some reason i like was gonna be really bent out of shape if there was a different <laughs> actor for this like five second scene <laughs> yeah right well i i had read that milo when creed when the conversations started happening about creed 2 and fathers and sons and all that stuff um somebody had asked milo if um if he was going to return and he said well they haven't asked me yet but i hope they do because i'd love to come back in so i knew that if he was going to be back in that it would yeah. be him I'm glad it was him. He's got a good look for it. And I love that we introduce now the next generation Balboa, Logan Balboa. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was nice. Let's talk about the look of the final fight. Can we talk about that? And and I'm looking specifically at the at the introduction to it, right? We had the big laser light show when she comes out. And then the it it looks I don't know. This is another one of those that looks weirdly fake. We know it was filmed during the um, Anthony Joshua Joseph Parker fight in Wales on March 31st, 2018. I don't know how they do this. Right. When they shoot, do they just shoot like plates of the auditorium? I mean, they're going to need more time than they can shoot during the middle of, a, of another bout to shoot this kind of stuff. You know how this works? No, I, I didn't read that. So I'm, I'm curious now. Yeah, I'm I guessing I'm guessing what it was was plates. They probably yeah. um, if anything, because I'm assuming it was just crowd shots that they were that you're talking about. Yeah, they already have the ring set up so they can float the camera around and get into it. And then they do the rest of their stuff in like a modified auditorium with a smaller. Right. Smaller audience. Yeah, right, right. They probably then, uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing that they probably just had cameras positioned. I, I don't know. I wonder if they had permission to, to, I don't know, to to kind of just set up cameras 
during the match that just kind of ran during the, the the match so that they could kind of capture some of that that footage and then they could kind of use it as the backgrounds yeah like yeah. you're saying i don't know it's, uh, it's very interesting they could have had some on wires perhaps yeah maybe just fly the cameras around they the yeah. lighting the audience lighting i find super distracting they fly those spotlights around but i don't like public events like this so i would find it annoying in real life i th- i i guess for me i just thought it was really interesting and i'm sure that they actually do this but i, I thought it was interesting that the lights were designed to make it look like a cage match yeah right yeah right that them walking into the ring at first was was uh yeah it's it's daunting and you know when you look at the at, at the lights as the camera sweeps around the lights that are shooting up and down um you know in the audience it actually it it expands that cage it looks like a curtain of light around them which i think is really cool texture behind what is otherwise just bright fight lighting same as last time yeah right right but uh, speaking of the fight they they uh, there were a few interesting camera tricks that they did not nothing that stood out like what maurice did in creed with the long shots which were really beautifully done but i think that here you do get um some things that caught my eye one of the first things was actually is the very first match of the film when the two um the the two fighters step up to each other to touch gloves it's like a worm's eye view shot from like right between their feet looking straight up at them and i was Mm -hmm. like well that was a really interesting way to kick this off and then during the fight, when uh, we're in that final fight, we've got some incredibly slow motion uh, shots of both Donnie's and Victor's faces as the other's glove is hitting it. <laughs> and it was like super slow motion just to kind of emphasize the uh, real kind of what they're taking when they get yeah. hit like that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it, it's fantastic. We don't have any, as far as I know, we don't have any of the behind the scenes footage that I can find of uh, anybody taking an actual fight, you know, if, of uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan taking a, a hit from Florian Monteau. I, I didn't find any of that. I would have loved to have seen it because Monteau is a monster. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he is. They all talk about that, too, about how big this guy is. I mean, he's just a, a tower of muscle. He really is. And when you look at him, you know, a lot of people, even really strong people, their muscles, they like their their arm muscles. They, they it looks like they have an end. You know, they'll go into a joint or to a bend or something that looks like they go into something. His don't like his forearm starts a long muscle that looks like it weaves throughout his entire body and you can't ever see where it ends. He is just massive. Yeah, he is big. Mm. I am fine, curious. Fine looking man right there. I'm looking curious at. if he's going to end up kind of growing a film career any further from that particular film i don't know i don't know if you look on his instagram account big nasty uh you can see such uh profile pictures as florian shirtless accepting the domino's ambassador uh certification diploma what is that all about pizza for life at domino's pizza romania that's a that's a thing i didn't know about florian monto well here's something else uh this is something that he says about how he gets an eight pack eight pack abs as opposed to the regular six pack oh i, I could use even the, know i could use the extra two go on yeah. <laughs> I, i'm 
<laughs> I'm training my abs four times a day. The routine that I have is 40 or 45 minutes before I start my regular workout. I focus on the obliques and the lower abs to get the eight pack, a lot of hanging leg raises or knee raises and the workout where you have your legs tied up in front of you and someone's throwing a medicine ball over your head and you're throwing it back. So that's what you need to do if I'm you sorry. want that eight pack beat. I'm sorry, Andy. Can you describe that again to your understanding? What exactly is going on with that medicine ball and your legs, your restrained legs? Yeah, I don't know. Your legs are tied up in front of you. Okay. So, okay. So you're sitting, I think, and your legs are, are tied. So you're, you're not moving. And then someone throws a medicine ball at you over your head. You got to catch it. With, and your, then what's with happening, your feet? No, your, your feet are tied to the, your, you can't move because your feet are tied. See, I thought okay, your feet pish, were tied pish, together. And the ball comes over your head and you catch it on your legs and then throw it back up over your head. <laughs> your legs. Is that not what's oh, happening? Wow. No, 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 no. That's, that's an interesting pos- Because position, if not, I we guess? may have just invented something for Florian. You may have. Really I, up his game. Well, he can already do the, the push-ups where he drops down, grabs those big ropes and, and flings <laughs> them while he throws himself back up in the air. That was so cool. That was so cool. I was like, oh, I'm going to do that at the gym next time I'm there. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I can't lift up the ropes. That's the problem. <laughs> Did you see the one where the, where he's uh, he's doing uh, neutral position pull-ups, but he has a chain with weights around his waist, and he's got probably, yeah. I don't know, what, another 200 pounds around his waist? Something like that. And, yeah. and he's doing pull-ups? That's um, humiliating. <laughs> That's big nasty. Uh, I right. I loved him as the villain. He was uh, great. I thought, and actually, it was really interesting that the film does kind of work at setting us up to care for him and Donnie, and and to really kind of get this sense of that uh, that um, father son relationship there and the struggle that he's having. And I thought that was really interesting. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that, so I, I thought that was a pretty nice twist to the story. Oh, get this. I mean, everybody has a redemption angle in this movie. That's really refreshing, right? Uh, Ivan. Except for Ludmilla. Uh, yeah. Okay. Everybody that we care about gets a redemption story in this movie. Is that better? That's better. <laughs> uh, that, that Ivan and, and uh, Victor actually have a, a start at something new after the end of this movie as he throws in the towel. I think that was an, an incredibly touching moment as, as, you know, they, they try to figure out how to resolve things. Um, you know, who knows what happens next, but God, I just thought it was great. Yeah. And watching the two of them now, his, uh, his dad is jogging by his side and you see the two of them training together and just being mm-hmm. together and not just as trainer and trainee, but as father and son. Right. And I, I just, I really loved that. I just, I, I that relationship that I, I just, I honestly wasn't expecting the relationship of the Dragos to develop like it did in this film. And it made for a much stronger film. And I think Dolph Lundgren pulled it off. I think Florian Monteau pulled it off. And I was so happy to see that, uh, that change in these guys and to see, uh, to see Ivan kind of grow and learn with this film. It was, it really worked for me. In terms of, uh, athletes turned actors. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. Florian is my favorite 
uh, of the mix so far? So so far, <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the one. Now that we're believable. now we're at the end. Now of that it. we're in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you, what do you make of um, of Preed's trunks in the final fight? Was that some sort of a, like he's wearing the flag trunks, but they've been somehow blacked out, like they have not, like he washed them with only darks a lot. Um, do you know what that means? Like, did I miss something there? Like, did I miss no, a message? I don't think so. Um, they're the they're they I guess are it the, didn't even stand out to me as something to pay attention to. I didn't I don't even remember his trunks. His well, usually he's wearing the the uh, red, white and blue trunks that he got from his mom, yeah. right? Well, right, those right. trunks, he's wearing those trunks, but they're like they're they're dyed somehow black. Huh. It's cool. It's a cool look, but uh, you can see it especially when he gets knocked down and he's pounding the the mat, right? Yeah. And and they have this overhead shot looking straight down at him. I didn't even know he was wearing the same trunks. I, I feel like that's a symbolic thing that, that we should know about um, when you black out the trunks. I don't know. I don't know. Right. I, it piques my curiosity now. I'm going to have to go back peaked. and look at it to to see what I make of this. Yes, indeed. Consider it peak. Yeah. Speaking of color, um, mm-hmm. poor Russia. I mean, really, it's another movie where <laughs> Russia's blue and kind of there's no color. You know that trope? I mean, until the very end, the final fight, it's vibrant and big and beautiful in HDR. But all of the other sequences, I think until the dinner, the dinner is in color, but all the other sequences early on are so drab. And I think that trope to do to the, the you know, to the Eastern Bloc in film is so tired. I, I found that kind of frustrating. In fact, here, my, my wife walks down. The... My wife walks down as uh, you know, uh, uh, they're moving boxes or something. Maybe they're running, and um, I had told her loosely what this was about. And she, of course, lived in Russia for a long time. And right, um, and she looked at the screen, and she immediately said, "Oh, they must be in Russia." <laughs> <laughs> because she saw it, it was blue uh, and very drab. And she made sure to tell me again, you know, Russians, uh, the Russian people do see in color. And so I thought she was very sarcastic, <laughs> but it was a good reminder. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's the Ukraine, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass that on. <laughs> Just let her know. <laughs> oh, it's the Ukraine, Andy said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay uh let's can we talk just a bit about Stephen capel yes yes what do we know what do uh, we know about uh, the good Stephen capel um stallone actually had this to say he said i believe it's important for the director to also be a part of this generation like i was in mine to make the story as relatable as possible we are extremely lucky to have the talented young filmmaker Stephen capel jr step up and accept the role of director i'm confident that he and michael b jordan will hit it out of the park i think that uh, well, Kugler couldn't return because he was tied up in Black Panther. And uh, that's why actually the whole thing ended up kind of um, getting delayed anyway, because uh, because Michael B. Jordan was also tied up in Black Panther. But obviously, the director has a little bit more before and after the production. And so um, so Capel Jr. came on to direct this film. He is a he is a a a filmmaker who. I think what was it the uh, like he's been around 
um, largely since like 2013, his, his student film won like HBO's short film competition. And then he made a feature film a few years later that uh, got a lot of buzz. It got him on on different lists like, um, you know, uh, one of the like 30 under 30 and uh, one of the 25 best breakthrough directors of 2016. Uh, he did that project for HBO um, about Emmett Till that uh, was uh, – kind of the the birth of the civil rights movement and really kind of uh, just kind of stepped into the limelight very quickly not having done a lot but i i think that that he really i don't know i i felt that he was a director who had a very assured hand with the story he was telling and the characters that he was working with i was really impressed i i didn't see a lot of the touches like ryan coogler had with some of the cinematography but i still felt that capel brought this story together and cared for these characters and made it all work there were some I, I didn't get a lot of the long follow shots that I absolutely fell in love with in the last movie. Yeah, that um, was uh, yeah very much something that Coogler was bringing to the just, table. Just a notable stamp on that film with uh, yeah. Maurice. Yeah, um, this one. There were some really nice moments and some really touching and astute framings. You know, the the we have a couple of sequences at the cemetery. The last shot of Stallone at the end of the big fight is a really beautiful slow motion pull away uh, behind Stallone with Creed on his back and his hat on. And it's just lovely with all the action in the ring. I mean, there's some really beautiful stamps that I just like to stop and and blow up on my wall because they're they're just lovely uh e even in the absence of some of the more audacious kind of moves um it, this was an able and and i i think uh loving and honorable um contribution to these characters especially since you never know you know people always come out of retirement but uh, <laughs> as we've talked about on our on our saturday matinee list this past week but um Stallone did say, you know, he is he's retiring the character Rocky and yeah. and he's he's taking a break from it. Um but I think uh Dolph Lundgren um and uh and uh I can't remember one of the other actors they were talking uh, in an interview about the fact that he said that he's retiring and they're like you know, he'll probably be back. I think it's going to be hard for him to let go of this character. Yeah. Well, and so. we, you know, this is the, the these are the perils of researching these films kind of one week at a time. We didn't run across that in that research in after Creed, because back during Creed, he was still saying, hey, I really think I'm, you know, I love exploring who this character is. And the, yeah. then we have this wonderful and I had not seen this when it, you know, when it, it first got posted across social media. But, the, you know, somebody posted from the the, um, you know, the rap party of you know, last day of shooting on this movie, uh, they're on a campfire around, uh, you know, a, a trash can on a beach and everybody asks Sly for a speech. And there's one minute, a one minute video where he says, you know, I think I'm done. I'm handing this off to this, these characters off to, you know, to the able hands of these, of, of these people. And he gives Michael B. Jordan a hug. And that's, that's the emotional goodbye video, you know? Yeah. Right. And uh, it's kind of after these last eight weeks, it's kind of hard to watch. I was I was misty, Andy. Yeah, it's is easy to feel that. And and now having kind of gone through this whole series, uh, relatively in a short period of time, I can see that. Like I really have connected with this character, and 
and I think there's a lot of strength there. So, uh, and it and it does hurt to know that that he might be retiring the character. I don't think we mentioned Wood Harris last time. I can't remember as Little Duke. Um, I, we might have. I can't remember. But very brief. I. Yeah. But I do love that they brought him in in a bigger capacity as as his father had that kind of role in the corner for uh, for Apollo and then for Rocky for I mean, he was in there all six films of the original uh, of the original run and having him now kind of stepping in to be uh, Donnie's corner man in that first fight was great and then just seeing him kind of continue that mantle i just i loved that i loved having um especially after the confrontation that he had with donnie in the first film where uh, he said i'm not going to train you i'm going to tell everybody not to train you because you're not ready i and then to see it come around to this i i really liked that i liked that that relationship has been developing how about uh the music on this one ludwig ronson is back it's great. It's a great continuation of the score from Creed and continuing the themes that Bill Conti did for the original uh, Rocky films. I thought that it uh, it was really beautiful. It was a, a nice continuation of the of the music. I thought so, too. And and again, the nods to the original score um, were, I, I think, subtle at best. It, it felt really mostly original. And that means when the the fugue starts in the final fight again we get the hint of the first three bars i think of the of the the big feud and a fugue and it's just it's a choker it was it was placed just perfectly uh in that final fight what's funny is vince decola who did the music for rocky four there were rumors that he was going to come back to score this one and I just have to say, thank goodness yeah. that Wiser has prevailed because it's the worst music in the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I can't imagine them making that decision. Yeah, definitely an I, improvement. Yeah. Speaking of, this is a minor note, but just speaking of music and sound, the sound, I love the way that they played with the sound. In there's a, a We're cutting between a conversation between Marianne and Bianca while... Um, I think it's when Donnie is in his depression and and he's in the water and he's kind of swimming and he's kind of coming up and out of the water and then back under the water and uh, it just kind of intercutting those two uh, those two scenes. But their conversation continues over both scenes. And what I really liked about that is when he would go underwater, it, it made the conversation kind of drop into a sound like it was underwater. It was it was a really interesting effect that I thought was an interesting. I, I don't know, um, you know, I don't know if I could pinpoint if there's any particular reason why it would make sense uh, thematically, but I still liked it. <laughs> it was <bit>. really cool, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Uh, another really cool. If you watch through the end of the credits, the 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 final credits, the design of the final credits, I thought was was similarly lovely. Just overlaying creed 2 footage with stills from past films dad yeah early fights uh that's that's another one awesome russian haircuts awesome russian haircuts it just draws out the tears oh (laughs) we hardly knew ye. good stuff (sighs) have you ever heard of the drago spinkle script no you hadn't heard of that? I, I'd heard rumors of it and that it was possibly going to be spun into Creed 2. Apparently that was not true. It was a fan script and it's still floating around somewhere. If you can get your hands on it, you can see what it would have looked like had uh, had we gone from Creed to Drago. Um, interesting. Yeah, huh. that would have been an interesting 
thing. What did you want to say? Oh, I, yeah, we posted this over in our Facebook, um, our Facebook, uh, I don't know what you call it, our Facebook fan page, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook page, the, uh, what is this Facebook? TNR... Facebook? What is this Facebook, Facebook thing? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, over in our, uh, TNR MMM executive lounge, mm-hmm. we, uh, we had posted this, um, a few days ago or last week at some point about, uh, an article that popped up about Stallone and how in, uh, in Creed 2, there was a scene where he and Dolph Lundgren were actually going to come to blows again. Right. And it, it did get cut, but it's, uh, it's on our, our Facebook page over there. If you want to check it out, it, uh, Stallone posted it up on Instagram. It was an early, just a rehearsal. Uh, it was a f- short fight that was supposed to happen between the two of them. It was after he leaves Donnie, after Donnie's been beaten and, and um and ivan and um the the um ivan and buddy the uh the promoter mm-hmm. they actually come over with a film crew to, to kind of uh to poke at donnie a little bit but um but uh, rocky won't have it and ends up kind of coming to blows with uh with um ivan in the lounge of the hospital there so it would have been an interesting little scene to kind of see the two of them trading blows again in uh, in a Rocky film, but it did not end up happening. But if you want to check it out, you can just go check it out on either Stallone's um, Instagram feed or over on our Facebook group page. I am relieved they did not do that because that shows the characters grew in no way at all. At least it, Rocky, I feel like yeah. that would have been a that would have been a letdown. How to do it award season. It was not a big award film. That's it's. I think people, a lot of people, are feeling. You know, this is kind of hitting that whole sequelitis thing. It only had one win with four other nominations. The win was uh, at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. Michael B. Jordan won for this and Black Panther. They said it's thrilling to honor Michael B. Jordan this year for the emboldened way he's shown us what it means to be a movie star for the 21st century, mixing sensitivity with swagger, choosing important material that remains full of integrity yet become world phenomenon. And forging a cinematic partnership with visionary director Ryan Coogler. I thought that was really that nice thing to say. Really nice. We should be so yeah. lucky. Exactly. The other uh, nominations at the Black Reel Awards, it, uh, Michael B. Jordan again was nominated for Best Actor, but he lost to uh, his Black Panther partner, Chadwick Boseman. And Ludwig Gorenson uh, was nominated for Best Score, but lost to Nicholas Bertel for If Beale Street Could Talk. And uh, then the other ones were for Tessa Thompson was nominated at the Central Ohio Film Critics Association and the North Texas Film Critics Association, but didn't win those ones. I'm a little bit worried about asking you about the numbers because I enjoyed this movie and I feel like I'm going to get my feelings hurt. Don't worry, Pete. It still did a good job at the box office. Uh, Capel got a cool $50 million to make this eighth entry in the Rocky franchise, getting about a $10 million bump from what Coogler had for Creed. The studio again targeted the Thanksgiving holiday, releasing the movie November 21st, 2018, opposite Ralph Breaks the Internet and Robin Hood. But it couldn't get past the animated film opposite which it opened, landing in the number two spot. It still did exceptionally well for itself, as everyone wanted to see the fight with the Ruskies again. The movie went on to earn $115.7 million domestically and $97 million inter- internationally for a grand total of $212.7 million, landing with an adjusted profit per finishment of just under $1.3 million. 
Now, if we step back and look at all the films in the franchise that we've talked about, the, f- the first one is still the biggest earner with that incredible profit to cost ratio of 225%, which is, uh, I-, I think, speaks to the independent nature really, yeah, of that right, first one. Right. After that, the ranking of most profitable films in the franchise goes two, three, four, six, seven, eight, five. Way down at the bottom. Wow. Um, if you look just at the straight up box office gross, number four is at the top, five is still on, is on the bottom. And if you adjust the box office gross, number one is back on top, and weirdly, number seven ends up on the bottom. I would not have expected that at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. It's it's strange that it would uh, that it would drop down yeah. there, but but why, it why did. Is the, why is that? I think it's a more recent movie, so it's it's um, there's not as much change in its dollar. Oh, the adjust, uh, of course, of course. It, when it's you're today's adjusting. dollars, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, all right. Well, Andy, we did it. What did. what started as a young man's dream uh, has finally <laughs> come to fruition. I snuck Forced these upon movies. Me. I thrust them upon our list, and you've done it. You've made it through all eight. Rocky movies. I, I would like to give you the floor. I yield my time to hear some closing thoughts from you. Uh, maybe a toast to what is now, I'm sure, your favorite film franchise. <laughs> I was actually, uh, it's funny that you say that. I was actually um, looking at uh, different franchises and which ones I rank the highest. This one is not at the top, but it is really high up there. I was um, really pleasantly surprised with this. I, I you know, I, I don't know why largely I avoided this franchise. I think it's just because boxing has never been my favorite thing to watch. But as I watched all these movies, I'm like, this boxing thing, There's it's something really <laughs> <laughs> appealing. It really draws me in. I don't know. I don't know what this is saying about me and my future uh, sports watching. Who knows? But... <laughs> But I, I just, I, I just have to uh, tip my hat to Stallone and these characters he's created, and the, um, the, uh, the way that he's kept them honest through the franchise, even when it's had some some ups and downs with some of the issues and introducing the crazy robot and and things like that. I, I think largely it's just a franchise that has a lot of heart. And I think I, I Stallone even said as much. He said this film, this this franchise, is really not so much for boxing fans, but it's for people who uh, who are um, maybe don't feel like they have, um, you know, they're they're they feel like they might be less than, and they're trying to achieve something greater than them. And it's about the you know trying to persevere and everything. And I think that's why it 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 rings so true and and affects people as much as it does and it's like the most successful sports franchise in history it's amazing and uh i i i just i'm really impressed with this franchise and i'm glad that now i've seen them all and i can see why it's a franchise that <coughs> excuse me mm-hmm. i can see now why it is a franchise that so many people love and it certainly is one that i would find myself happily returning to oh. even even the lesser films i would happily watch them again they're all very watchable it, it has been an exhilarating watch i mean uh, one through eight even the the you know the dip in the middle um i i still get joy out of again because i i too love these characters um but to watch it climb from there to this point it with creed and creed 2 that that still 
you know, delivers such joy and such uh, excitement in the ring and such uh, um, a beautiful look at human relationships and human frailty through something that is so brutish and violent. Uh, I, I find a enormously compelling. Uh, I really enjoy these movies. I've loved this uh, the last two months of, of digging into these with you, and, and uh, I'm excited to rank this final one. I am too. Head Let's over, do it. Head over to flickchart.com slash the next reel. You'll see all the movies that we have ranked. Uh, we have pitted against one another on our list there. If you slide over in your show notes and you tap flickchart, it'll take you straight to this movie where you can add it to your list and see how it stacks up against ours. Fitting start. Creed 2 or Rocky 3? Oh, uh, Creed 2. Creed 2. Creed 2 or Rocky Balboa? What are the odds? This is the tough one for me because I think I'm Rocky Balboa. I really enjoyed Rocky Balboa a lot, but um, I don't know. I, th- I, I, I may have been, I may be able to be swayed. Well, I'm Creed 2. You are? Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I was a really, I was very pleasantly surprised. But Rocky Balboa, I think, is also a great pick. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm Creed 2. All right. I'll, I'm going to give you Creed 2. This this changes things for me. What is going on here? Creed 2 or Creed? Like, it's... Uh, are we, is, are you are sure we you're only not ranking just the Rocky ranking the list? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Uh, I guess we'll find out after this one. Right. I, uh, I am I, Creed. I am Creed. Creed 2 or The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? Oh, the Good, Bad, and The Ugly for me. Yeah, Good, Bad, and The Ugly. Creed 2 or The Thing? Definitely The Thing. Yes, the thing. Creed two or Zodiac? I will say Zodiac. Um, I think I'll go Creed two. Let's see what oh, happens. Interesting. Well, let's let's uh, duke it out then. All right. All right. One, One two, two, three. three paper. Rock. Wow. Oh, Creed two or Zero Dark Thirty? I'm gonna say Creed two. Yeah, I think so too. I'm guilty. I feel I'm a little guilty about it. Is that weird? <laughs> I'm guilty about it. I, well, it's okay. Creed 2 or The Sting? The Sting. Say the sting. Down. Absolutely. That lands Creed 2 in slot 88 on our chart. Wow. Wow. Slot 88. That's a bump. So that, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty high up there. Um, would you like to know the ranking? Yes. Yes. For all eight. Yes. All right. So, for God's so sakes, guess- man. So as we as we determined last week, Creed ended up one slot above Rocky. So it's Creed in slot 49, yeah. Rocky in slot 50. Creed 2 is next, then Rocky Balboa, then Rocky 2, 3, 4, 5. Straight down the line. What is your personal rank? Do you happen to, can, can you pull that? Do you know that off yes, the top of your head? Yes, I can. Um, I, I pre-planned all of this. Um, I, uh, it landed at 257 out of 4105, which is a 94% for me. Like, I really, really love this movie. Um, for me, Creed is at the top, followed by Creed 2, then Rocky Balboa, then the first Rocky, and then two, four, three, five. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, right now... Uh, things are all in flux because now I have to go back in and I have to re-rank Creed 2. But I think the way it's going to shake out is Rocky, Creed, uh, Rocky 2, Creed 2, which is appropriate. That feels appropriate to me. <laughs> it honors the first. <laughs> and uh, and from there, it goes to um, Rocky Balboa, uh, Rocky, uh, Rocky 3, Rocky 5, Rocky 4. I think that's where it wow. ends up. Oh, yeah. 
I know. Okay. But, you know, all of them are, you know, to me, they're, they're all of a piece. With the exception of Rocky IV, they could all be the same thing. And that I is have a feeling Rocky IV will grow love. on me. <laughs> you think it's going to grow on you? It's so silly, but it, there's like you get to the end of that fight. I'm like, it was a good fight. I ha- I really enjoyed it. So I have a feeling that that even Rocky Four, I will I will uh, find okay, more. Okay, I'm totally fine with with you finding more. That's fine. You you can have that. I just think that you should remember that it's the whole movie that you have to think about. <laughs> well, uh, maybe I'm not. Rank these maybe things. I'm forgetting yeah. a lot of parts. Sound, it sounds like it. Sounds a lot like that. <laughs> so what do you do with this for uh, letterbox.com slash uh, the next reel? How many stars do you give this? I uh, I have a hard time giving this anything except a 4.5, which is where I have Rocky and Creed. 4.5 and a heart. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, I'm going to wow, do the same thing. 4.5 and a heart. I, I really enjoyed this movie and I feel um, I feel sort of vindicated on this movie because I went into it with questions about my own feelings. I needed <laughs> I needed a little peer pressure to push me over the edge on this one, but I really enjoyed it. I had a really wonderful time. I haven't seen this as many times as the other movies, obviously. And and uh, I think now I've I've sat through it three times and um, I I still enjoy it probably a little more every time. Yeah, it's there's a lot of good stuff happening yeah. here. So I um I'm excited by it and I look forward to uh seeing if they continue this and if so how. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe it'll be Clubber Lang Jr. Well, in- <laughs> <laughs> right. How uh this this gets to uh, I think the biggest question of the night for the first time in 8 weeks. Where do we possibly go from here? Ah, yes, yes. We are going to be, you know, we had a, uh, it's interesting, I don't think we planned this, but last year um, we had Creed 2 and we also had A Star is Born. And both of these uh, series that we're doing right now are ending with one of these films from last year. So right now we're going to be uh, kicking off our A Star is Born series by looking first at A Star is Born from 1937. Then we're going to be looking at uh, A Star is Born 1954. And then we're going to be looking at A Star is Born 1976. And we'll be ending with A Star is Born 2018. It's so weird, right? That's weird. Why are, Why is this story the one that gets all gets four remakes over the decades? And what's interesting, and I don't think I even realized this, is that... It really was from another film that actually even we we probably should have included at the start of this. And if I have time, I'm certainly going to try to watch it. But there's another film called, uh, what is it called? I want to say it's What Price? Oh. What Price Hollywood. Hollywood. Constance From 1932. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't even know this when we built this series, but... This is kind of that same story. It, it was a precursor, I guess you could say, George Cukor's film, What Price Hollywood, that kind of had the same story. And then William Wellman made his own version of it and, and made it as A Star is Born. So um, so if, if I get a chance, I'm certainly going to check out yeah. What Price Hollywood just so we can include it in the conversation. Right. But regardless, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting tale about fame and uh and uh age and diction and uh, all sorts of things and i'm curious to see all of these films especially because i've only seen the most recent one Uh, i'm excited about it we've got uh four and a half movies to talk about Uh, 
over the coming weeks. Uh, and what a weird story to get so much attention over so many decades. Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to the, the circles of fame yeah. within Hollywood. Yeah. So. Well, if you want to hear more of us, but you can't wait until next week's show, check out our new show, The Marvel Movie Minute. We're talking about the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. We're starting with 2008's Iron Man. You can support that show and all of our shows over on thenextreel.com slash Patreon. And you can also get access to our exclusive members-only weekend show, The Saturday Matinee. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Amazon giveth, Andy. As Amazon always doeth. Oh, Andy, people don't like this movie in the one and two star range. Did you notice that? Either that or <laughs> weirdly, I've seen more people saying, I didn't order this <laughs> as their complaint, as their one star review. It's like, why are there so many people who didn't order this who are, are getting it and then yes. reviewing it? What is going what? on, Amazon? <laughs> I I'm going to start reviewing products that I bought at Bed Bath and Beyond, but I'm going to start doing it on Amazon <laughs> on maybe on the movie page that closest related. Do you know what? Remember how in Panic Room, there's the shot where that goes through the CGI uh, cup coffee. Yeah, I'm going to start reviewing bath. cups on that page, like actual cups. I have a cup here nice. I'd like to review. This is great. This is a very exciting <laughs> way for us to branch out. All right. I've got Tom, who is not a fan. He says he liked all the original Rockies movies, but he just couldn't get into Creed. Very slow-moving storyline that just lacked something to keep my attention or interest for me to continue watching. <laughs> he turned right. off the movie 45 minutes into it and went to another movie. Just couldn't take it anymore. Just couldn't oh the drama take it i don't know why he turned off the movie and then went to another movie what was going on there i i i love it that he was he, he was tired of this movie only made it 45 minutes in yet he still has time to go to amazon and hate leave a two-star yeah. review yeah but it's a it's it's a two-star hate yes. it doesn't even make sense as hate weird weird yeah, and because weird. you know this generalization that there are some good parts in it right that it's that i don't know i don't i don't know i don't get it i'm not i'm not pleased i'm not pleased i i like to imagine him throwing his his hand to his forehead as he oh as he says that last line i just couldn't take it anymore yes yeah. exactly yeah no that's good you got to bury yourself in the part well i've got a one star from bazooka joe who says predictable snooze palooza <laughs> I've seen better plots on PBS Rump Rangers of Montana. <laughs> if I could give it minus two stars, I would. Stallone is about as entertaining as a bout of the squirts. <laughs> what is all these words? What are all these words that are floating around? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> the PBS Rump Rangers? What is that? Rump Rangers of Montana. I have no idea. What is that? I it shouldn't no exist. Idea. Did they? Do you think they read the? Did they read that before it was submitted or the show was made? What Rump Rangers? 
Andy. Uh, PBS too. PBS. <laughs> Thanks, Amazon. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>